What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 262 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Friday, February 10th, 5.49 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't know why. Hey, uh, Josh, uh, are you getting this feeling of, like, deja vu right now? Um, yeah, I feel like I said, like, a couple weeks ago, what's up, everybody? (laughs) Uh, this is episode number 262. And the reason why I have that feeling and the reason why you don't have a new episode sooner is because we already did this fucking episode. <laughs> well, kind of. Uh, it was going to be Rachel Runyon, but then we just yeah. we decided to replace her. Because honestly, there was no real meat on that case. Um, it was no. really short. There might not be much meat. I mean, on- there was meat on the case afterwards. But it wasn't in terms of like uh, meat that was available to tie to the show because the segment was so short. It's also a really bummer case, so that's that's another reason why. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we did the, a whole ass episode, and you know, I was like all proud of myself because it's like sweet, knocked that out, got that done, getting seemingly getting on a more consistent uploading, you know, schedule cuz during December we got all like off track and shit as we usually do. And I uh, go to import it into Fruity Loops to start editing it and Mike's track shows up and I see the wave file and everything and I'm like, "Okay, cool." And then my track is just a fucking flatline. There's like no even indication of any audio even being picked up whatsoever and um I'm like, no, 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 this can't be right. So I stick the card back into my recorder, put the headphones in, and listen to it directly from the source. There's no fucking audio on there from my end. I almost thought about doing something like on the Patreon, doing like a meta, yeah. a, a meta uh, episode 262, almost like Garf- <laughs> Garfield minus Garfield or whatever, where it's like a podcast yeah. where Mike's just talking to himself and then reacting to this like a voice that only he can hear. Um, I thought about uh, releasing that, but then it's like, now that would be super fucking lame and nobody would want to listen to that. Um, Cause it's like, exactly. it was like an hour and a half at least podcast yeah. that we did. Um, so yeah, that one, <laughs> we're redoing one of the cases from it, but it's new to you, new to you guys, but we've, we've definitely, already talked about it and then we just decided to pick another case uh, mainly because the music in the segment in one portion was hilarious to me and yes that's how petty i am is that i would choose a segment just based off of the music used in i don't know part. we've 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 uh we've picked some segments like that in the past just for like the the bad acting or uh by you know one of the the bad, uh, the bad music in the strip club. Yeah, the bad music in the strip club. The uh, or the bad acting by one of the actors that is in the reenactment. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, the. Uh, I mean, I would have talked about Tallman House anyway, but the uh, the scream, the the uh, brother in law scream, just definitely would have made it in the uh, the bad <laughs> acting category. God, I love that. I wish I wish we had like a soundboard and that screen was like one of the samples that I could just cue in. Yeah, you could have the the soundboard with the that screen. You could have the 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 soundbite of the, remember that guy who went missing 
and then like grew a beard or whatever and then he got caught and then he flipped out and then ran away so you would have like the sound bite from that guy because i always thought that was hilarious i need to look into how to do a soundboard here because uh that would be uh that would be really neat because i've always loved I would. I feel like I'd. I definitely overuse it for sure. I definitely yeah. overuse the. You'd have a, a Robert Stack. You'd have various different Robert Stackisms. Yes. You know from the show. Yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, anyway, we're just. I'm gonna... surprised nobody did that. You know, when there was like all these like prank calls that were really popular back in the day. Using, oh yeah. You know, soundboards. Dude, I used to think I those could... things were so funny when I was a teenager. I, I, I... some of them are still kind of funny, but you like, know, Wanda Sykes did one where she called into this like auto automotive shop or whatever, and she talked about how like someone had taken a shit in her back seat when she got her car back or whatever, and she wanted to know who did it, who who there. Uh, that worked at the shop did that or whatever and that one was pretty funny um so was that a real prank call or was it a soundboard thing oh yeah you're talking about crank yankers oh right right crank yankers okay yeah yeah i know what you're talking (laughs) about oh yeah so both of so i've listened to both of them so there's one with arnold schwarzenegger there's a bunch of them with arnold schwarzenegger where he calls various places or whatever it's like who is your daddy and what what does he he do do? (laughs) (laughs) yeah Stop it! <laughs> I am a T one thousand, a learning computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining uh, like a Robert Stack one with just stuff from Unsolved Mysteries. Like that could have been hilarious. <laughs> and that was the last time she was ever seen again. Uh, sir, this is a uh, McDonald's. What can I help? How can I help you? <laughs> Perhaps it's you. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be funny. All right, all right. Just get right into this shit. No one cares about how we're yeah, doing. Since we're since we're talking about funny stuff, might as well talk about uh, the segment that you picked uh, because of a funny moment in it. Uh, case of Tracy Wolford Bun. Yeah, I mean, what happened to her wasn't funny at all. But um, no, not at all. They have this fucking on the Wikia page here. They have this like advertisement on the right hand side for Progressive Auto Insurance. And I don't see anything because I have uh, ad blocks. So. Yeah, well, I I see it, and it's fucking Reginald, whatever his name is, Carl Winslow from Family Matters, but he's like all old now, and he's wearing a sweater, and he's just like staring at me with this smiley face, and it's like drivers who switch and save with Progressive save an average of nearly seven hundred dollars. Like, why? Wh- These fucking internet ads are so random. <laughs> just like uh, uh, this podcast can be. Random. Man, you're just the <laughs> king of segues right now. Um, anyway, we're talking about Tracy Woford Bunn. In 1988, 26-year-old Tracy Woford Bunn divorced her husband of two years, Solomon, and moved from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Well, that's quite a, a shift. He was talking about, because they interviewed uh, her ex-husband, and he's talking about how she was the type of person that was just very impulsive and would just decide to do things. And he thought that was a lot of fun. And on one hand, I can I can understand that because there's a certain you know bit of fun mystery about that. But on the other hand, I, I think that could get really stressful. I, I hate um, impulsive women. Like if I'm talking like dating wise or whatever, yeah, I hate that character trait so much. It's so annoying. Um, yeah, it's like, 
impulsive people. The problem with impulsive people is uh, making plans with them is pretty much useless because a plan involves like setting up an event, picking a time to meet to do said thing, and actually showing up on time at the mm-hmm. at the place we agreed to be at. Impulsive people have no like. Uh, like they have no sense of time or like uh say you're with the impulsive person and you choose to do like you both agree to do something and the impulsive person's like you know what actually i want to go and do this other thing yeah let's do that and it's just like oh my god i am a such a creature of plans and like habits uh-huh. and shit like impulsive people annoy the fuck out of me I think I think it could be fun if, if it's measured, you know, if you did it, you know, every now and then it wasn't like all the time because then that would just get really tiresome and frustrating. Like you're saying, like you yeah, have plans like, like and, then, ever, occasional, and never stick to them. Yeah. Occasional impulsiveness is fine. But like, I swear that that can sometimes be a character trait. Yeah. Oftentimes with in people with like ADHD, um, uh-huh. that's a lot of. Because you, I guess you wouldn't react, you know, the same way that this guy did to, I'm going to go to Minnesota. You'd be like, really? (laughs) You'd be like, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, no, I I don't think so. I'm not uprooting my whole (laughs) life because you want to, yeah, no. But she just wanted to go to Minnesota for a little bit and then go back to wherever, uh, but then uh, she liked she, it. She was living. She liked it. Uh, she wanted to go to Baton Rouge for a little bit, but then she yeah. liked it. So she went there to start a new life with her sister, Danielle. Mm-hmm. She soon got a job at a local restaurant and later got a new boyfriend. So, yeah, that's very impulsive. Like, well, you don't want to go with me. We're through, you know, peace out. At 4.30 p.m. on the afternoon of March 31st, 1989, Tracy's boyfriend dropped her off at work. Later that evening, he and his cousins were driving in her car when the gear shift broke off near the intersection of uh, Texas and East Polk. They left. The- yeah, because back then, folks, um, you know, the, there, there, there was no like electric, you know, you didn't have like an electric start or anything like that. You had to use a stick shift. In order to well, you know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there were automatics in '89, but there was oh yeah, there was a lot more, like definitely a lot more manual transmissions definitely. on the road back then. Uh-huh. I'm just imagining like uh, just just that situation, just like why did it break off? <laughs> like, is, was he just that strong? I, I mean, those things or, or, are like steel, like they're they're yeah. made out of steel. They they're not really supposed to break off unless the car was in some kind of crazy accident beforehand yeah or something. like it's that's- crazy that that's one of the things about the segment uh you know other than you know the cringy rap music that kind of stood out don't to spoil, me don't spoil my my surprise hey we already had hinted at it yeah whatever um <laughs> yeah I, I can't even drive a manual transmission car like I, I like it if literally if it was like gun held to my head like you gotta you gotta get out of here like right now in this car it's like you're gonna have to kill me because like i don't fucking know how to drive a manual and i guess you can drive it without the gear shift like the gear shift can be broken and you could still drive it because they they interviewed some like detective and they were like oh you know you know if you're really experienced you could you could still drive the car and i'm like i mean how? once it's in a certain gear like if say you're in like 
fourth gear and it and it breaks off when you're trying to shift and you're still stuck in fourth gear like you kind of have to stay at that speed I, I i believe uh i i guess you can slow down but it's i don't think it's good for the engine because like when you slow down in a manual you're supposed to downshift you know like to like third second gear what whatever um but like for instance if you're in first gear and you try to rev it up to uh like 70 miles per hour it's gonna like blow your engine up because you're not you're you're stressing it out for the gear that it's in i saw all the all the fucking gear heads are listening to me right now going this guy vaguely knows what he's talking about (laughs) and it's very obvious i know i know that much but anyway so yeah the fucking gear shift broke off they left the car on the side of the street half a mile from the cousin's home Around midnight, Tracy called her boyfriend and learned that the gear shift had broken. She left work and walked to his cousin's house about a mile away. After getting into an argument uh, with him, she angrily left. Now, as she's entering this um, house, Unsolved Mysteries in-house crack team of songsmiths, though they knock it out of the park 95% of the time, uh, anytime they're having to produce music in house that like relates to youth culture any in any way whether it's making rock music for a strip club or in this case hip hop oh man does it fall flat the fucking yes. song that is playing when she walks in cuz you know they're all like like young urban like african american so of course they're listening to hip hop you know at the show would imagine uh which you know whatever um and the hip hop that is playing is like the corniest ass. Like you gotta get up to get down, and like all such shit. And, and the music itself, it like, like I know a lot of old school hip hop was like kind of corny. Um, that there's some old school hip hop that still stands the test of time, but a lot of it was super corny. But but not not this corny. Like you could someone in house made this song. Uh, so- you know, I, I I think I think there are some of them. There are some albums uh, from lesser known hip hop acts. I mean, from I'm talking like instrumentally that we have like synthesized trumpet horns. Yeah. And just like fucking. Ugh. There's really bad, like equally as cringe early hip hop. Uh, so that didn't necessarily. I guess that didn't surprise me as much because I knew unsolved mysteries and i kind of knew what they normally do with that kind of stuff and they just normally drop the ball <laughs> um i expected but, crap yeah i did i i did um that's why like the thing that like stood out to me the most is like how the fuck did the gear shift break off <laughs> yeah and they're just like oh oh man that's a bummer I, i'll just I go, i guess i'll go walk to uh you know my friend's house from here we're gonna have to leave the car but you know the hip bad hip hop that was produced in house, yeah, that's unsolved mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't paying those expensive licensing fees. Fuck that. In fact, no. the only time, one of the only times I can think of that they had uh, uh, like licensed music in their was show, it a Bon Jovi was song, Bon Jovi. But but because yeah. because the the subject of the segment was a personal friend and manager of Bon Jovi. I'm yeah. guessing John Bon Jovi licensed that song for free. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming because the whole idea was to help 
find whoever did, you know, whatever, whoever killed the daughter or whatever. The, mm-hmm. That was the whole point of that episode. So I'm sure Bon Jovi was like, yeah, you know, you don't d- don't owe me anything. You know, I'm licensing this to you. For well, free. he was also interviewed. So that's yeah. the other thing. They also had, there was this one time. Was there like country music? Was there like some someone who was like in, in was involved with country and then maybe the, the like chart, the music chart um, th- uh, thing or whatever? Uh, that yeah. that guy was doing a cover of another song. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't think they would have had to have paid a license. They might have actually if it was a cover, even even if it's still a cover. Speaking of covers, folks, I hear nothing but covers of. Uh, songs at my work for some reason like both jobs like they're so cheap that they can't you know get you know royalties or licensing fees or something for like the actual versions of popular songs so i have to listen to like shitty covers of uh you know um nothing's gonna stop us now really they they don't play that the real version they do a a cover yes yeah it's a cover they play covers. They do that that cover collaboration piece of shit that was it Dua Lipa or somebody did with Elton John. Yeah, of um, Cold Heart. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, they play that, and uh, yeah, they don't play actual Elton John. At one point, they actually did, but then they just stopped doing it, and that it's just all just covers and just the the, the newer popular songs. You know, like the music for a sushi restaurant, which doesn't sound—it doesn't sound anything like music you would hear in a sushi restaurant. I don't understand. He just gave it that title, so it was like clickbaity. I think. I guess so. <laughs> which I mean, I don't see how that makes it more clickbaity, but that, that's the only reason I can even think that you would give. That'd a be song. like somebody doing a song called "Music for Unsolved Mysteries," and it's like all peppy and upbeat and. The lyrics are like not even remotely close to the show. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bands that have been that that will like give a song. I mean, Jesus, the f- we're getting off topic here. Anyway, um, we always go off topic. <laughs> like Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco were really bad about giving their songs these long ass titles that ha- that had nothing to do with the song, and they never even said. Um, like the title of the song in the song, like they were pretty infamous for doing that. Another band that's the opposite of that, that like, as far as I can recall, every song title, they actually say the name, this, the song, song title in their um, songs is REM, like REM, mm-hmm. any REM song, the title of it, they, and it's so fucking, who cares, Josh? Literally nobody <laughs> cares about any of this. Got so off topic, it's not even funny. So yeah, so <laughs> Tracy goes into the cousin's house and um got uh into an argument with her boyfriend and she angrily left and she walked to where her car was parked half a mile away. Police believe that she got to it around 12:30 a.m. She was never seen alive again, which is a, for, I said on the Facebook group, I y'all you know it's a good segment when Robert Stack says some iteration of that. Like, it's like, oh, damn. Not good that they, you know, got murdered, but like, you know, it's going to be like suspenseful mm-hmm. and all that. Like, this is another one of those instances where it just proves that you shouldn't be walking around late at night by yourself 
Yeah, that was a bad call, for sure. At around 2 a.m., a witness saw Tracy's car being driven in, into the parking lot at 550 Oklahoma. Don't know if that's a lot number. Don't know what that is. Wikia doesn't specify. So the that's, that's the name of the lot we're just going to go on. A few hours later, on the morning of April 1st, she was found dead in her car in the same parking lot. She had been raped and strangled. There were no signs of a struggle, and her clothes appeared to be jumbled up as if someone else had put them on her. There was no evidence of a robbery, so police believed that the crime may have been sexually motivated. Investigators believed that Tracy was killed sometime between 12.30 and 1.30 a.m. They believed that her assailant forced himself into her car, attacked raped and killed her he then later so i'm wondering you know if he did that was he waiting outside uh, outside her car like he's waiting next to her car for her to come back yeah probably he then Ah, that's creepy he then later placed her car in the parking lot at her autopsy the medical examiner found mysterious second degree burns on her body investigators have received leads that suggest drugs and narcotics dealings may have been involved in tracy's death and that her boyfriend may have known her killer. However, he and his cousin were given polygraph tests and were cleared in the case. It remains unsolved as far as the suspects go. There are none known, although authorities believe that Tracy's death may be drug-related, like what we just said. An acquaintance of Danielle's told her that one night, while attempting to make a drug transaction, his friend claimed that one of the men they were buying drugs from was Tracy's killer. Investigators looked into at least one drug dealer, but could never find enough evidence to link him to the case. Danielle believes that Tracy's boyfriend may have knowledge about this case. However, he and his cousin were questioned and later cleared of any involvement in her murder. Yeah, I I never bought that. I never bought that he had anything to do with what happened to her. It just didn't really fit for me. Uh, The drug dealer thing, like... You know, drug dealers tend to try to be intimidating, so they might have heard about the murder, uh, and they they just wanted to associate themselves with it, so it can give them some extra intimidation factor. But Street it doesn't necessarily cred. mean it doesn't necessarily mean that they actually did anything, uh, because there actually is an update to it. Um, it was solved in August of 2005, 16 years after Tracy's murder. DNA was found in her body. It was linked to a convicted rapist named uh, Frederick Freddie McKinley. However, investigators discovered that he had died in 2002 while serving time in prison for an unrelated crime. And this case is now considered closed. It's a shame. Yeah. At least at, at least it's one of those things where you have justice. You know who did it. It's not just a total mystery. Um. Because there's a lot of these cases where you don't get anything. You don't get that update. It's not solved. And so a lot of things are just uh, left up in the air. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many times on, like, YouTube where I'll be, like, watching uh, the new, like, the, um, not the new Unsolved Mysteries, but the, the, who, who caught, who bought it, Sunrise, or, Film rise, film rise, yeah. The film, <laughs> the film rise, unsolved mysteries. I feel like fucking Joe Biden right now. <laughs> Not the new unsolved mysteries, but the the, the sunrise, the ones that sunrise bought. Man, you know what I'm talking about, talking about right now. God damn. Uh, the the film rise, unsolved mysteries, where they pretty much you know they give you little new updates at the end of it or whatever, yeah. which is cool. It's helpful, even even though it's just you know text that they're on the screen. It's still cool to see. I think what a lot ha- of it, a lot of the text they got is from the wiki. 
<laughs> what I think about it. I mean, shit, <laughs> may, probably. Uh, like, I mean, I think there was somewhere where they were indicating that they, uh, like, did their own research to see, yeah. like, what happened or whatever. But, I yeah. mean... Yeah, there's no way their own research could be like going on Wikia, you know, like, (laughs) is there any updates? Okay, all right, let's copy and paste that change a few words. The amount of fucking like episodes that I'll watch where like, I'm like, man, this is a fucking brutal case. And then then nothing. uh, Yeah. And then the the screen just fades to black and it's like, oh, shit. Okay. They never (laughs) they never figured out who did it. They never caught anybody like, damn, that's uh, that sucks. That's why it's called Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) They're still Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. But it's just Uh, like, God, some of them, it's like, really? They never they never solved that. Like they never. Yeah. Like crazy but yeah the fact that this is just a random you know killing uh you know it just it's awful it sucks um but it also does solidify like i was saying earlier the fact that you just shouldn't be going out late at night by yourself whether you're a man woman doesn't really matter especially you know in 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 a in a city you know, in and it's just one of those things where because there's people could just hide somewhere. Like in this instance, I think this guy probably just hid behind her car or something. And I mean, I that's that, that's uh, what Mike's saying. I would say is different than victim blaming in the sense that, like, okay, so like, but like, say women who get raped and back in the old adage. Oh yeah. Like, oh, what were you wearing? You know, to blah. blah no, blah. I'm not. That's not at all you, what I'm oh, saying. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying like. That's that's like a logical fallacy to to ask the woman what she was wearing as though yeah that's a, that's a bunch of bullshit yeah but with this it's like everybody knows that crime like what eighty percent seventy percent of it is committed at night and being alone in a you know area that has people you know. <laughs> Uh, shit even the forest sometimes uh yeah at night that's when the sketchy shit goes down everybody knows that everybody knows that there's a risk that you take when you do that and um she was willing to take that risk and something bad happened and it sucks but it was like you know i guess may it be a lesson to people like don't go out at night especially if you're in like a bad part of town like yeah yeah, I don't even know if she was necessarily in a bad part of town, but that you don't even have to be in a bad part of town. Well, I mean, for something it's, it's, bad Baton, to happen. it's Baton Rouge, so I mean, it's kind yeah, of the whole thing. I mean, because there's a lot of things that can happen to people when they're alone at night that aren't even necessarily in a bad part of town. I played a show in Baton Rouge one time, thinking like it was going to be so different than Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Is, and this is one thing I learned by like whenever I'm on the road and we play shows out of town. Like, so many places, like, outside of their landmarks, outside of their, you know, oh, we're known for this, or Orlando, they have Disney World. But outside of that, every city is just McDonald's, Walmarts, roads, you know, shitty little shops, and, you Uh know, hotels. Like, it's all the same. Like I said, outside of whatever you know yeah. landmark you know so it's pretty much identical it's kind yeah, of similar like to Bat- like baton rouge was like one it just seemed like one big west side of jackson it's like vancouver seems like it's just a suburb of portland oregon like it really just seems like it's almost like the same thing 
It really does. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think you have to like leave this country to actually encounter yeah. truly like do like new yeah. experiences. As I will as say it. this. Uh, I want to, you know, kind of further elaborate on my point about, uh, you know, don't go uh, um, alone and, you know, don't be alone at night type deal. Um, I think it is incredibly messed up that this is something that anyone is thinking of because of just how unsafe things are in that scenario for pretty much anybody. And I know statistically, you know, women are technically in, in uh, greater danger. Um, and I think that's just ridiculous too. I mean, it's just awful. It's terrible that, that women are, are put in that, into that position uh, and feel like they're not safe when they're, you know, walking at night you know it's just like it's just crazy that we're in that kind of situation uh in society but it's just kind of how it is it's kind of how it's been for a while uh and i it's just one of those things where i'd rather be safe than sorry and and you know i would never you know i've i've done a few things where i've gone out late at night to go to an atm and you know I, i i it turned out fine but and i've had to like walk home from work before but like I, in a lot of those situations as it just it, you don't necessarily feel like oh uh, i'm 100% safe like it's, it's just one of those things where it, it, you're paranoid but i think for a good reason i i think you know cautious, being cautious in that kind of scenario and trying to avoid it as much as you can um i i i think that's that's a that's a positive but at the same time something bad could happen to you if you avoid that scenario <laughs> yeah so, i mean you know. but then, then again I, I i just thought about the fact that they had gotten into an argument yeah so, so you got like anger involved yes and that that can make people do things they wouldn't normally do they, they they're not thinking rationally because they're yeah. angry and it's like fuck you i'm getting my fucking car She's you. already kind of an impulsive person. I'm not trying to blame her death on her her impulsive nature. I, I just can't stop victim blaming, and it's triggering me. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's she already is kind of a person that that acts on impulse. So you know that kind of ties into what Josh is saying. You know, we're, oh, I'm I'm pissed off. I'm angry. I'm not even to think about you know the safety of the situation. I'm just I just want to get to my car and, and go home. Yep. And it killed her. So don't do it, guys. It's not worth it. Even and a big reason why her car, like, and also with her car, like, how did she drive? Wasn't that the car that had the stick shift that was broken? So how was she going to get home anyway? How was she going to get to, How she, she would have walked to her car, but then what was she going to do at, at at that point? I don't know. Grab the, the, the broken nub that remains and try to shift with that? I don't know. I guess. Yeah, that's all I really got on uh, Tracy. Um, I mainly just wanted to talk about that really awful hip hop. Uh, I will do my best <laughs> to insert a, a clip it of it into this episode so you can yeah. hear exactly what we're talking about. So the next case is the Deja Vu case. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is a this is a redo. Uh, <laughs> we done of, talked uh, about this one before. This is uh, Michael Johnston and Rochelle Robinson. Is the occult responsible for the double murder of a young couple? 
On a cool night in June of 1994, four young people from Tacoma, Washington, were playing a game that involved mystical creatures, fantasy, and magic. And that game, I think, was Magic the Gathering. It's a card game. And I picked this case because you have the whole sort of satanic panic panic angle that's kind of thrown in here randomly, which I always find kind of uh, intriguing when it comes to Unsolved Mysteries, because I was just like, really, like, what it's not intriguing maybe it's not the right word kind of laughable like why why are you inserting the satanic panic stuff into this was the occult responsible no so <laughs> they, they just played magic the gathering and are and like to play D D. like why does it have to be a, a satanic cult um but also magic i i do remember playing that card game with uh friends of mine in high school during lunch and i was completely lost not good at playing that game at all but you know i played it you know just to you know fit in and you know hang out with my friends Um, Uh, did you ever play the pokemon card game like how you're supposed to play it no, I collected cards, but I never played it. Yeah, that's what most people did. They collected the cards, but actually playing the game was a huge pain in the ass. And I tried it one time with my cousin and it was like it was it was so like complicated, like you needed like energy cards to do mm-hmm. your your spells or whatever. And you need these... spells. <laughs> I don't do spells in Pokemon. What do they do? What do you call them then? <laughs> Well, they're fucking spells. They're attacks, dude. Oh, well, whatever. It's a t- attack. Spells. <laughs> yeah, okay, boomer. You, you know, you're, you're all thinking right now. <laughs> Some of them seem like spells to me, but sure, we'll call them attacks. Pikachu. Avada Kabra. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally a fucking abracadabra. Like, I think his name is Kadabra or something. He's yeah, a it's abracadabra. I know. Yes, but he's a psychic Pokemon. But yeah. Anyway, you needed like these cards to do your attacks. Like it'd be it it'd have like three. So like if you did like a lightning strike, there'd be like three lightning icons next to the attack, and you needed those those cards with the little lightning logo on it. Yeah, you had to like throw those down, and then there was these like that's fucking, what a lot of card games are like. Yeah, pretty much these like marbles. Well, I'm not I'm not into any of that nerd shit. Like, and yes, to me it is fucking nerd shit. Because Magic the Gathering was similar with you had to have a certain amount of mana and you had to have a you know certain things that matches a certain class and so on and so forth. Um, I'd much rather play like a computerized you know like a computer game of yeah where where you're actually like controlling a warrior or wizard or whatever uh-huh. and, like an RPG. Yeah, like I'd much rather do that than play a fucking board game. It seems I don't you mean know. card game. Yeah, card game. <laughs> Uh, I'm more into like D and D. Like we played that as well, and I had more fun with that because there's like more creativity. There's more uh, things that you can do. There's more leeway. Um, with uh, Magic: The Gathering, like just you know, you're just limited to a certain type of game. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, the these uh, four young uh people they were playing uh magic the gathering and then the next night two of them were dead 
The victims bum, bum, were bum. 25-year-old Michael Johnston and 19-year-old Rochelle Robinson. Detectives soon discovered that Michael and Rochelle had been lovers. Authorities believe the motive for the double murder was jealousy over the affair. Others believe the couple was lured by a charismatic killer into the dangerous world of the occult. Uh, Michael Johnston's body was found near Rochelle's car less than six hours after they left the card game. His throat had been cut and he had been shot once in the head at point blank range. Uh, Rochelle's body was found later that day in a remote road five miles from where Michael's body had been found. She had been stabbed repeatedly and her throat was slashed to the bone. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, really grisly. Ugh. That that means it's as close as you can get to, to decapitation yeah. without decapitating somebody. I saw a decapitation video one time when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. It was one of the Shit. one of the civilians or contractors yeah. in Afghanistan. He got caught by uh, uh-huh. Al Qaeda or whatever, and. Uh, uh, it was LimeWire or, or one of live those. Week? Live leak, I don't know, but yeah, I I saw it and and I don't know why. I guess I was yeah, like, why? Why did you watch that? I guess I, I guess in my mind I was like, I need to see this because uh, it's important to build a repertoire of all sides of humanity in my brain and and you know get a full. A full gamut of like how extreme humanity can get. That's why I would watch like the uh, post World War II concentration camp videos where okay. they would take all the Jewish, basically skeletons. They were skeletons. Interesting, with, with skin interesting on perspective. Them, and they would take the bodies and put them in mass graves and all that. And and yeah. so that was kind of like. That was my thinking um, back then. Now I'm like, okay, I get it. Humanity's fucked up. Don't need to see anymore. So now I, I go out of my way and avoid that kind yeah. of stuff uh, these days because I feel like I've seen it. I know what I, I know what it looks like. You know, so I'm. It's not interesting watch that it. that 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 was your perspective at the time. You know, because a lot of people they would they wouldn't even think of it that way. They would just be like, oh, oh, I don't want to watch this or. To be honest, some people they legitimately were into just watching fucked up shit. Yeah, and that wasn't me. Like I wasn't I wasn't into watching fucked up shit for fucked up shit's sake. It was like mm-hmm. it was almost like uh I don't know, like so for instance, my dog had to get put down um I don't know, 5 or 6 years ago. And my uh-huh. dad my dad was like I'll just go, you know, nobody has to go with me. And I just knew that I needed to go with him for emotional support. My dad really loved animal, you know, the the dogs and Uh all that. And I was like, that's, it's the right thing to do. I know that he's not going to emotionally love doing this, but he was just being generous to me and my mom by saying like, you guys don't have to come with me. I'll go by myself. And I was like, no, I'll go with you. And then when it came time to put her down, my dad was patting her and everything. When they inject her with the drugs, I was like, I need to watch her die because I I can't keep myself in a bubble all my life. I need to experience uh-huh. life, right? So that entails seeing something die, something that you love, you know? Okay. And I needed so to have so that. Ex- an analytical approach. Very analytical, I guess. I just feel like, 
the world is a very hard place, and if you're mm-hmm. if you're too soft, then you'll get swallowed whole, and you okay. won't be able to manage. So I know I grew up in kind of a bubble, so I've pretty much ever since a young age have been trying to debubbleify myself. Yeah, it's a very interesting perspective because it's a complete it's a complete opposite of what a lot of people are doing nowadays. Like they are just forming a bubble around them and, and reinforcing it and They're keeping out trying... everything they don't want in because yeah. it, 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 it pushes their mental bandwidth too far. Yeah. And I want mine to be pushed because, you know, I just, I feel like it makes you a stronger person, I guess you could say. And I would say it makes you a more balanced, makes you a more balanced person. You can be stronger as well in the process, but I think it makes you more balanced because you have more experiences when it comes to what happens in life and in reality, not in your, uh, you know, preconceived or fantasy idea of what reality is. Right. And I mean, like, <clears throat> I for me, it's like, I, I hate feeling like weak and powerless. And I feel like the more exposure I get to things that make me uncomfortable, the more I build up a tolerance to it, which in some ways, so, some could argue is a bad thing. It's, yes. called, you know, oh, well, you're being desensitized, yeah. you know. But to me, the more desensitized I am, the less I can things can hurt me. So, which is, is psychologically probably not the best, healthiest yeah. way to think. But I can't help it. That's just how I think. Like, do you think that in some way this is kind of what uh, drew you or uh, pulled you to a show like Unsolved Mysteries? You know, to see the darker side of reality you know to see the murder and the mayhem and yeah i mean that was definitely an aspect to it and all of that but they they did a really good job with the 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 theatrics of it too yes and that's something i've also been drawn to is theatrical shit so it kind of had both yeah And, and i mean unsolved mysteries is one of those shows to this day you can show at like a party full of like Gen Z kids and like they might scoff at the poor acting but they they they're not going to scoff at the subject matter cuz it's just as raw as anything out yeah. now cuz they didn't pull any fucking punches on that show no and not at all. you know you take any other show from the 90s and show Gen Z kids they're just going to m- make fun of the thing the entire time but it's like yeah her neck was slashed to the bone and this is what we're talking about and it's like well, can't fuck with that. That kind of stands the test of time of, uh, you know, being hardcore. Well, that also would tie into a lot of their mindset in terms of, well, I can't make fun of this. I can't, you know, bash this too much because then... Then I'm a know, piece I, of I, shit I, person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm being offensive, fun. you know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, anyway, that's my that's <laughs> little... little uh, Little psychological Little, uh, di- profile. Josh there. Flower diaries there for you, I guess, an insight <laughs> into how I think. Man, I miss reading those things. I loved, I yeah. loved uh, scoffing at my. I'm sure I don't I'm- have anything like that. I didn't have the self confidence to, you know, write anything like that when I was younger. Uh, I just liked bitching, dude. I loved complaining. Yeah. I loved bitching. I loved describing my problems, and um, yeah, that so- hasn't changed. No, no, it sure hasn't. <laughs> But that's how you know you're my friend is when I'm complaining about something to you. 
<laughs> yeah. So police believe that sometime after 1 a.m., Michael and Rochelle parked the car on a quiet road near a popular shooting range called the Tacoma Sportsman Club. They were alone for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we, we brought up last week or whenever we filmed this or uh, taped it or whatever. Like that's that's exactly how he said it, too. Like he added that pregnant pause in there. You know, you know what he's talking about. You know, they the were euphemism. fucking. They were alone <laughs> for a while. They were fucking. Uh, Fred Reinicke was a detective for the Pierce County Sheriff's Department at the time of the murder, and he's uh, quoted here, They were forced to dress hastily. Rochelle Robinson had Michael Johnston's t-shirt on inside out when her body was found, and they were removed from her vehicle, probably at gunpoint. Uh, according to Detective Reinicke, forensic evidence suggested that Michael was also handcuffed and then forced to kneel near the front of Rochelle's car. Uh, law enforcement believes that Michael Johnston was a passive victim. The real target was Rochelle Robinson. There were several knife pricks in her neck, which would indicate to me that somebody held a knife to her throat to force her to accompany him. Uh, Detective Reinecke concluded that the killer then drove Rochelle to the isolated, role, or, or isolated road, I don't know why I couldn't speak there, and brutally murdered her. He believed it was a crime of passion, like a lot of these crimes. Uh, I, I noticed that theory very uh, often when it comes to this show. You know, a crime of passion. Um, well, it's because there's a lot of crimes that that's exactly what it is. It's just a crime of passion. Some jilted or jealous lover decides to lash out and just brutally kill the woman that he loves. Because if I can't have her, then nobody can. Yep. Um, and speaking of uh, the... Uh, the scene where the killer is like driving Rochelle to the isolated road. I want to point out the reenactments in this, in the segment, because they were shot really well with the, you know, the just great, creepy, uh, unsolved mysteries atmosphere and mood with the lighting and a shot at night. And, and it, even the actors and the actresses in these reenactments, they also did a good job. Like yeah. even the people playing the killers, they were actually pretty intimidating. Although I would say the guy, the actor who played uh, uh, Michael, like there's a scene where he's like pleading and he's on his knees. Like he, he just reminded me of Justin Long, who was in that uh, horror film that came out last year called Barbarian. He's been in a lot of stuff. I just remember um, him from Dodgeball. Yeah, Dodgeball. You know, if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. <laughs> um, but you know, poor Michael couldn't dodge death. Um, speaking of <laughs> the acting, I was watching a segment the other day, uh huh. And um, the it's a fraud segment. I'm trying to figure out here. Uh, Ray, the Ray Olson case. Um, okay. The the guy who um would get people in on the whole like um stock trading, like he gets in, oh, he can get yeah, in and get guy. out on the same day, and he had the horse. Yeah range or whatever the guy who played him um like he did a really good job uh-huh and he actually looked like the actual guy too so yeah if anyone out there can just <laughs> call up uh certain unsolved mystery segments on a whim then i i re recommend rewatching the ray olsen case because uh yeah he did some good uh -huh. 
I don't even know. Did we cover that one? We've covered so many. I don't. I don't remember off the top. I want to say head. we've covered every single fraud segment because that became yeah. in later years that became both you and my's like favorite yeah. like segment choice. When for I think some of reason. fraud, I, I think of the the Ron Rushton guy <laughs> for some reason. It just immediately comes to my mind. Probably because it, uh, a segment. Like a clip from that reenactment was used in like one of the intros. In, yeah, to, where he's like all pissed off on the stairs, like get yeah. off me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, back to this case. Um, Kevin McMitchell was a friend of Rochelle's, and he recalled how, in the months leading up to her murder, she was terrified that someone was following her. Uh, Rochelle felt that she was being stalked by a guy that came into her work approximately three or four months before they found her. She felt that he'd followed her home several times and that he'd come to her work and stared at her until she left work. Yeah, definitely uh, got a creeper there. Um, and they show like a, a, a sketch of this guy. And the guy looks like Pigpen from like Peanuts uh, it, or, or just somebody with like really bad acne. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> definitely everybody who saw this guy, they definitely stressed to the sketch artist like this dude had really bad acne. Like I like serious. Like they must have all said that because like they spared. They're no just ex- like he was. He was just. He was a pimple. He was just a massive pimple. He was a walking with like a face. <laughs> he was a walking pile of syphilis. Uh, no, I, yeah, I don't know. He. Uh, the the sketch artist went uh, very generously with the um the 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 acne. Yeah, and they also wanted to make sure that he was you know dirty. That that you you take a look at 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 the the sketch and you would you, you would almost smell you know the the, the uh, months of of not bathing and and everything else. I I learned a new term from watching Unsolved Mysteries uh, on the like speaking about ac- acne. Um, Robert Stack used the the term "potmarked" to describe oh. somebody's like face. Uh, pockmarked, and I was like, "pockmarked" or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and and I like looked that word up, and I was like, "What does that mean?" Because that's what I that's how I always have been with language. Like anytime I hear a word that I don't know, I instantly look it up because I hate. Like I want to feel like I've mastered at least one fucking language in my life before I die. So like, I, if I'm gonna if English is gonna be my primary language, I want to know like every fucking word. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's what your skin looks like after you've had bad acne. Just yeah. like what they would, the, the, the insult or the pejorative crater face is what yeah. they would say. In, uh, yeah, but you would, you would never hear uh, Robert Stack you know, mention somebody having a crater face. <laughs> he was a real crater face. Uh, <laughs> he did call uh, Ray o- uh, Olson um, a, a moon pie face. He did say that. Oh, yeah, I remember he actually did He's use like, that. The, the the friendly moon pie faced blah 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 and it's like wow that's that's, totally, that's uh, so we're not alone so maybe that's where oh, yeah. we got it from right is maybe that... I don't know it could have been a subconscious thing moon pie face is an old uns- uh, podcast yeah. joke that dates back probably 150 <laughs> episodes ago I don't um, know why <laughs> I, I don't know why I, I let it keep ringing but it it kept ringing. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> the two Mary murders and yeah. one of Mary's, uh, one of the Mary's husbands. 
I just could not stand that motherfucker. <laughs> he had this big, round, stupid face that was so slappable. It was the most uh. slappable face. It looks like his fat cheek would have just, just, just like fit right into the shape of your hand smack. It just would have like hugged it like a glove. Like a Pillsbury Doughboy kind of thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and that podcaster, he slapped the shit out of me, <laughs> and, and, and I wasn't equipped to to deal with that. But uh, yeah, anyway. So uh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, the stalker's identity, uh, the 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 pockmarked uh, kid, uh, was unknown. And after a year, the official investigation began to wind down. To keep the inquiry alive, Michael Johnson's wife Janet hired a private investigator, Jim Wright. Jim Wright played it by the book, and the first person he questioned was Janet Johnston. According to Janet, Wright wanted to know if she was aware of Michael's extramarital affair. She's quoted here. She's like, he and Rochelle were seeing each other. I don't know how long it had been going on. I don't know if they were going to stop soon or if he was going to leave me or what. We don't know any of that. Uh, Janet then passed the polygraph test, and Wright dismissed her from any involvement in her husband's murder. Um, however, She's a, she's a total... What a total cuck, by the way. Like, yeah. you just... Just your your husband's out there, like, fucking around, and you know about it, and you're just like, oh, that's fine, I don't even care, whatever. Like, that's that's odd to me yeah. that you would react that way. So, however, he did discover that Michael loved the world of fantasy games, black magic, and the occult. Wright believed that his, this passion put Michael and Rochelle on a collision course with their killer. Because of the nature of this crime, we believe that people who were involved in possible occult-type activities could be the kind of people that would commit this type of murder. Stop watching horror movies. <laughs> like, actually think about the logistics of any of these occult supposed murders around this time. I mean, Jesus hey, Satan Christ. Was, Satan was new. Satan was new in the late 80s and 90s. Like, Satan had just kind of been invented. So, you know, <laughs> people have to get used to the idea that um, he this could possibly... Is- yeah, he could possibly be, you know, the the culprit for uh, these things happening. Uh-huh. You know, this is why you had the West Memphis Three being the the prime suspects of of the murders of those boys is because of you know this just satanic panic, this ridiculousness, where it's like, well, if something brutal happens, a brutal murder, like it, it, there has to be something involved with the occult, especially if they're into you know uh, uh, occult books and the like playing Dungeons and Dragons and all this they kind of stuff. To Metallica. Yeah. But more than a year had passed since the murders. Every way he turned, uh, Jim Wright found the trail stone cold. Clearly, this was an investigation that demanded an unorthodox approach. Uh, Wright then turned to Nancy Meyer, a well-known psychic who would help the police on more than 300 homicides. I I was just thinking Nancy, Ma- Nancy Meyer got her own unsolved mystery. Yeah, she did. By the way, and it's um so mid that I don't think we've even talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We might have. I don't know. I don't know at this point. We've covered so many cases from this show. Um, I'm just I'm just thinking like yeah. He he demands that he needs an unorthodox repro- approach. Yeah, get Stone Cold Steve Austin on the case. <laughs> I'll just give people stone cold stunners until they reveal who the killer is. Get fucking dog the bounty hunter on the case. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Stone cold said so. So, uh, <laughs> right then turned to Nancy Meyer, well-known psychic who would help police on more than 300 homicides. 
she's quoted here. It was very hard on Jim because I said, you will not tell me anything because it has no validity if you tell me things ahead of time. Okay. I don't want someone else's theories because to me, if you're going to work psychically and work purely, you should not pre-read. You should go out there and work it cold. Yeah, like you actually work it cold. Like, Does any psychic who has ever done any kind of reading are they actually ever doing a a legitimate cold reading no that doesn't happen i mean all they told him was their names mike that's that's all she knew yeah i doubt it she probably you know and and she probably has a lot of experience with other investigations so she probably has other you know theories that come off of whatever work that she did beforehand um I think a lot of the good things that psychics have done for police have just been coincidences where, Oh, yeah, pretty much. And, and a lot of, a lot of the psychic on, on this show, especially like anytime there's like a psychic, uh, working with police or whatever, it's like all the psychic is really able to do is like predict something is going to happen like you're gonna find this evidence yeah. you're gonna find this thing and then the police eventually find it and it's like oh she was right they're never able to be like oh it's over there go over there that's where it is they're like you're going to find a bag of marijuana wash up on the beach uh uh-huh. in a couple days and then they find it but like it, is that like really that helpful there's a like, couple tell- ones there's a couple cases we've covered i think in the past where some of the psychics information is kind of eerie in terms of how accurate it is in terms yeah, of the like location. Yeah, there was one case. There was one case where sorry I'm yawning. Um this is just how bored I am of of you Mike. No, I'm just joking. Um <laughs> Damn. I, I felt the need I know, you're just randomly insulting you. I don't know why I did that. Um there was one unsolved mysteries case where this psychic lady actually um I think she like got the guy's name, went to this like um like boarding house where he was staying at found the name like found the room and like legitimately like helped like there was like no way that the cops would have found that out on their own but most of the cases are like that would be like me saying like mike in the future you will get five hundred dollars and then like a month and a half from now I get paid get by my job. Yeah, you get, right, you get paid by your job, and it's five hundred dollars. And it's like, wow, Josh called it. That you know, it 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 didn't really do anything for. It didn't help me in any way. It no. didn't. Uh, the worst is when the psychics they are so sure about what they're seeing that they give parents or or loved ones of the people that are missing or presumed dead false hope. Or in in the uh, or they give them uh, grief. They tell them that they're dead. You know, I'm sorry, they're no longer with us. Like Sylvia Brown, she used to be on like the Montel show, which I'm pretty sure like there's not a lot of people listening to this podcast who remember what that show is. But uh, that was a show that that was kind of like a. You know, one of those talk shows back in the day. There those were, daytime talk yeah. shows like Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Oprah was uh, in that mm-hmm. slot at one point. Uh, Donahue. Maury. Ricky Lake. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised I was able to rattle off that many. Jesus yeah. Christ. And so Montel would have Sylvia Brown on a lot. And she infamously got a reading wrong where I think either, I think she said 
that this woman's daughter was dead. But then the daughter was actually found alive. Which I, I found to be, you know... See, and that's why I feel like psychics probably try to shy away from that yeah. question. Because, like, that is something that is definitely, like, empirically provable. Like, yeah. Oh, like, she she's actually alive, though, so you were wrong. I, th- you know? I thought... <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when she's called out on that, and she's like, "Uh huh." Um, <laughs> she she doesn't know how to react. <laughs> I personally find it annoying when the psychics on Unsolved Mysteries will talk about how the person who is who who they're like connected psychically connected to, they start describing how they're feeling. Yeah, like oh, they're they're uh, they're very scared or they're very angry. It's like literally that is you could literally just made that up on the spot just now and and knowing like that they're missing you're probably inferring that you know something bad happened to them so what are normal emotions that somebody would be feeling if something's bad happening they're going to be afraid they're going to be scared they're going to feel alone and Mm. it's like that is literally just non-information at that point. And anytime I hear a psychic say that on the show, I'm just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> give me some give me some specific They're making shit it more can, dramatic, though. That's what they're doing. Yeah, I know. But it's like, give me some shit that, that is verifiable. But it's you fitting know? because it's all an act anyway. I mean, even someone like, I think it was Tyler Henry. Like, he's the new big psychic, the Hollywood psychic, the Hollywood medium. Even he's full of it, too. I mean, I'd have to go and see an actual him, psychic. Him and, saying shit like when he goes to see these celebrities, it's like I don't, I, I don't, I don't know who these people are. You know, I don't look it up online. I don't do, I don't know anything about them other than their name. And it's like you're, you're talking about, you're talking to celebrities. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's, you, and, you, and, there's I'm other sorry. things that you know about these celebrities. I'm sorry. What was your name again? M- Madonna. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I didn't know. I, I this is the first time I've ever heard of you. Uh, so yeah, without revealing his destination, Jim took Nancy the psychic. Uh, we're still still talking about unsolved mysteries. We're just you know taking a lot of detours. <laughs> may, may not may not seem like it, but we are. Uh, Jim took Nancy to the road near the Sportsman's Club where Michael had been murdered. She was inundated with visions and had a completely different story. What happened that night? According to Nancy, Michael and the murderer knew each other from his their involvement in black magic. There you go. Um, <laughs> that is another thing where she's just making things more dramatic, you know, because satanic panic was a thing around this time. So, well, well of course, it has to, has to do with black magic then. Um, I would not be able to agree with the theory that would have Michael as an innocent, you know, bystander, not the object of this killing. To me, from what I can sense, is the other way around. Michael was the actual object. As Nancy saw the crime, Michael and Rochelle were parked on an isolated road. She believed that the killer, a man in his late 30s and two young accomplices, crept up on the unsuspecting lovers. They seemed to be accusing him of violating some kind of regulations. It almost felt like a cult type of situation. Yeah, just because he likes to play Magic the Gathering. Okay, sure. According to Nancy, the killer then stabbed Rochelle and along with the two accomplices proceeded to drive Michael to the sportsman's club. Meyer claimed that her crime scene impressions were so vivid that she was able to envision all three assailants. Uh, the authorities, however, are unmoved by Nancy's visions or theories that the double murder was linked to the occult. I love it. They were just like they're unmoved by her bullshit. They're just like, yeah, no, whatever, lady. 
They remain yeah. convinced that the killer will be found among Rochelle Robinson's friends or acquaintances. Meanwhile, Rochelle's mother, Lynn Robinson, must wait for a resolution. She's quoted here, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. You just keep going around and around and around. It's almost like a merry-go-round. And some days you just want to say, let me off. And you can't. You'll never, never get off of it. And sadly, didn't find a way to get off that merry-go-round because this case is still unsolved. Uh, I do find one other note worth mentioning is that her body, or, or it was Michael's body, it was one of the bodies, they were covered up with a cardboard box it was used to cover the a, a body it and was it was a uh, michelle rochelle yeah so it was rochelle's yeah, it was body michelle. was covered with this cardboard box and it was like this box from some like paper company or, or some kind of you know a very a very specific yeah. box basically and they theorized that the box had been in the the killer's house for a while yeah and or in in his garage or whatever and they were saying that if anyone had seen mm-hmm. the box in the garage to let the cops let the police know mm-hmm. which i just thought was kind of a hilarious thing that they would ask like <laughs> i i don't i don't think people know their own boxes in their own garage like that's how <laughs> little that's how little people pay attention yeah. to boxes so well, I, mean, I thought it was funny, had, just like, the theory that the guy who killed these individ- these two people, like, he worked at this company and just left a box. <laughs> it was, like, in the back the of his pickup had, truck. Had, like, <laughs> unless the box had, like, an image of Tub Girl on there, like, I, then then I'm I'm not going to know one box from another. Well, I'm just saying, you like, know? you you could maybe piece something together with this whole sort of thing where, you know, oh, you know... This guy might have might have been working over at this paper plant or whatever. Um, have Have you ever seen Tub Girl, Mike? No, I don't know what that is. It's uh one of those old like go- uh, goat seas or whatever. Oh, um, okay, like the asshole thing. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's like a it's Asian woman. <laughs> <laughs> and she's in a, she's in a bathtub. This is one of the most random she- episodes of of. Uh, well, I'm telling you, I'm podcast. describing an image that if I saw on a box, then I would definitely notice that box. Okay. And, and, and this Asian woman is like, got her like asshole up in the air to where she's like almost like leaning back on her neck and her ass is like straight up vertical. Oh my God. And she's sh- shooting a fountain of diarrhea <laughs> and it's arching up and then splashing down on her face. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's tub girl. <laughs> I just described it so you don't have to go. Anyone out there who hasn't seen it, you don't have to look it up because I just told you what it was, so you don't have to see it for yourself. Oh my god! Um, (laughs) wow. Um, again, Mike, having to stretch my horizons as a child, you know, another example. (laughs) Yeah, stretches is definitely one way to put it. It's definitely stretching something. Um, but. Yeah, there is no uh, real update for this case. Uh, it's unsolved still. In 1998, a detective was reassigned to the case to work on it full time. Uh, in 2012, cold case detectives examined it. However, it is not known if any new evidence was uncovered. Um, speaking of Sylvia Brown, like she actually, she actually was involved with this case at one point because she just did her own reading. 
and thought that the murders were a crime of passion committed by somebody who wrongly believed the two men were romantically linked. Uh, she also believed the murders were the murders were related to a man she called Paul LP, but of course that led to absolutely nothing. Um, they talk about this furniture because there was this furniture that was found. Yeah, um, there was a picnic table and some benches that were found near Rochelle's body. They believe they're important clues to the case. He believes that this detective that might have been taken from the party the couple supposedly attended. He hopes that someone who discarded such furniture or had stolen it around the time of the murders will come forward. Part of me is like, who the hell would steal furniture like that from a party? Like, why? <laughs> I don't know, man. Shit gets crazy at parties. Yeah, What's I've often, I've oftentimes uh, accidentally broken something at a party, and I just, I we just call it a party loss. I mean, okay. you can't get mad. You can't get mad at it. It's almost like, like writing off uh, something that is stolen from a store. Like there's already, uh, what, what do they call it? Um, <laughs> what's the word? The fucking shrink. Shrink, yeah. There's already there's already like insurance in place because they <laughs> assume that people are going to steal. I mean, it's the same thing with parties. I mean, it's assumed that something's going to get broken. It's a party loss. You can't get mad at it. Unfortunately, there's no insurance policy that uh-huh. is going to like pay. You Have back you ever that, but... seen somebody steal something at a party though, like a picnic table and chairs? Dude, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. I mean, maybe not something that. big. That's what I'm saying. Like people. something that big just sounds very odd. I remember this one time I got super fucking pissed off because um, we played this concert and our friend, they were actually like huge fans of our band and they invited us over to their house because they had a swimming pool and they were like a little bit older, probably in their late 30s, early 40s. And um, so I asked them if my other friends could come too because one of the chicks I had a crush on or whatever and he's like, yeah, sure. And, like, yeah, they were Republicans or whatever, but, like, they were cool. I mean, they were cool people, and they never talked about politics, and I got along with them. And so, like a normal person, I've just put our political differences aside, and we we were friends. But he had one of those Trump uh, flags, uh, like, pretty big, like, hanging on, like, the side of his house, and... Um, my fucking friends that I that they graciously invited over, who they never met, um, when they were leaving, they stole the Trump flag, and oh uh, and they had and um, my friends who invited me over there were really dis- discouraged that that would happen, you know, because it's like here I invited these people over, I didn't know them, and then they went and did that, like that's so disrespectful, and. Um, so yeah, I mean that's 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 what happened to the flag. I guess it just stayed stolen because I know for a fact that um, these two people um, would have never met. Like, if, first of all, they both lived in different parts of town, and secondly, like they would never go to the same uh-huh. uh, places. Um, so, so, I, I know so we that, got a mystery there, you know. <laughs> well, I'm sure they like burned it or yeah. something, like the friends who stole it. Because I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah, I didn't like Trump, I didn't vote for him. But if someone's got a fucking Trump flag, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna de- like defame. I'm not their gonna steal their def- Trump flag and take a piss on it and then light it on fire, you know. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to do that, I'd buy my own 
fucking Trump flag. That way, I'm I'm da- I'm only the, I'm only damaging my own property, but I'm still getting my message across. But I'm not I'm not fucking petty enough to do that shit yeah. anyway. So I don't really have don't, much else to uh, say about this case, except you know it's it's sad, and I I think. I think the crime of passion is definitely something that's a viable uh, theory. I think another one is just, you know, a random, you know, killing, you know, just a brutal murder. You know, that I don't think it has anything to do with the occult. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, crime of passion, uh, I mean, to almost cut someone's head off, though, like Jesus, that seems more occulty than than it does. Well, wouldn't they? I don't know. Wouldn't they like finish the job? It was a, it was more of an occult thing. Maybe they got to the spine and they're like, "Yeah, this is too hard. I'm gonna give up." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is like bone. Yeah, this is like hard to cut through bone. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, that's why it's an unsolved mysteries, right? Yeah. An unsolved mystery. I just plural. That's how you know you're getting old and you start pluralizing things that shouldn't be pluralized. Yeah, we're going to the WalMarts. Them's good people. When you're only talking about one person, my dad used to do that. Uh-huh. He'd look at some. He'd look at some guy. Like, yeah, them's good people over there. It's like, oh, the there's multiple of them. Well, he was progressive. He was ahead of no, his time. No, he was progressive. Yeah, because it, yeah, he was progressive because he was using the non-binary. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, my dad was woke as fuck. Because <laughs> I can tell you, back in, uh, what, like 1997, 98, ain't nobody was referring to anybody as they, them. No. That is totally a 21st century mm-hmm. thing. That was not a 20th I don't care who, I mean, yeah, maybe if you were in the most progressive, like, like district in, like, uh-huh. Portland, Oregon, yeah. or, or, like, I don't know no. where like where it's the hippiest that you can get like perhaps in the 90s they were using that whole language of gender non-binary and all that but i just feel like that's like a new like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just feel like it's a newer thing i'm sorry i i just and if i'm wrong then fucking show me an article or something it's definitely more of a, a newer thing in terms of its popularity being more widespread that is a new right i guess that's yeah because i'm sure in some medical dictionary like that that term existed as like this rare thing but then then i think as it became more like more and more people started like sharing what it actually Mm -hmm. means i think that more people were like hey that sounds kind of like how i feel like i don't really identify with my gender but i don't really identify with the other gender either so yeah. yada 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 and and maybe it's one of those things where people were back in the 90s they were going as their birth assigned pronoun <laughs> but they, they felt like it didn't fit but there was no other term or whatever to describe it so they just had to kind of I could just see Josh just slowly you know walking on eggshells and you know No, I'm that... mentally <laughs> I'm mentally walking myself through how I know. Uh, that term would have become more prevalent now. I know. I don't think a bunch of people just made it up to annoy cis people. I don't. I no. don't think that that's. No. I don't think that's the case. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, speaking of non-binary, um, I, I, there to me, it's kind of a mystery that so many people are like making something like this. This Harry Potter game, 
and they're turning it into like this big political thing. Where you get, what I've heard a little bit about yeah. that. I don't know what that's about. You, What's that? It, because J.K. Rowling said some things on Twitter that people view as being transphobic. Yeah, that I did know about. And she's, uh, you know, aligned herself with some uh, political things that people don't agree with. And I understand that. But this game, she's she's not involved with it creatively. She she might she will get royalties from it but at this point like if you're gonna boycott things you're not gonna affect her you're not gonna affect her bottom line she has enough money to do whatever she wants with her platform whether you boycott the game or not and uh, yeah i mean you're hurting you're only hurting the like the game developers at that point yeah and i i don't think that's right and i think it's also really messed up to label people as being transphobic just because they want to play a video game Oh yeah, that's completely stupid. Uh, that's not that's not a valid that's not a valid reason to to call someone transphobic. Like I had a friend, I was hanging out with uh, my trans friend, mm-hmm. and um, she is uh, as they would call she is very passable, meaning that like she look she very yeah. much looks you know like a woman. Yeah, and um, but for some reason or another, I guess my he's not even a friend he's an acquaintance oh okay one of those uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah he, he 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 noticed that my friend um was trans or whatever and he was like he he comes up to me and he's like and, and she wasn't around me at this point she was somewhere else he, he's like she, you know she needs to tell people and i'm like she needs she needs to tell people what you know she needs to tell people that she's you know got a dick because like that's fucked up because like you know what if you blah, blah, blah. i'm like i'm like ryan shut the fuck up yeah. she doesn't have to tell no. anybody fucking anything and you're such an yeah. ignorant douchebag like she only has to tell if she wants to you know it that, be is a tr- that, that is a trans that do. is a that is a transphobic person right yeah. there. That's a fucking just because you person. want to play the Harry Potter game now. Like, there's if you want to play a Harry Potter game, you are not <laughs> transphobic. Jesus they turned Christ. it into this into this political thing where they drew they are drawing this line in the sand where it's like, well, if you play this game, you support this game in any way, then you're transphobic. And so, are they done? Are they done with the movies? Are there like no more Harry Potter movies? Kinda. Yeah, basically. And and only after they were done with the movies did she come out with all of her like beliefs or whatever. Is that kind of how it well, kind of similar, yeah, kind of kind of in that way. Um, but, that's con- that's convenient. But there were still the spinoffs and theaters at the time. You know the the Fantastic Beasts series, but that would have not Dude. lasted long anyway, even without what she said, because like people lost interest in that series. I think after the second one. And then it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we got a contractual obligation to do another one, so I guess we'll do it. <laughs> whenever I'm whenever I'm out on the prowl, like you know, trying to you know, out at the bar socializing, trying to pick up some chicks, the chicks who are like really into Harry Potter get on my fucking nerves so much because <laughs> it's like. Ugh. And then they're wearing the T-shirt they, that has like their, uh, you know, you know, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, or Slytherin yeah, on it, yeah, or whatever. All that shit. <laughs> and and the moment, the moment one of those girls meets either another girl or guy in the bar who also likes Harry Potter, I can forget about any kind of like <laughs> com- competing 
with that for conversation, I just have to walk away and find a new girl to talk to. Because they will fucking spaz the fuck out and just talk about Harry Potter for the whole rest of the fucking night. And it's just like... I saw the first movie. I saw, like, the the fourth one randomly because Mm -hmm. this chick I was fooling around with wanted to go see it. I read all of the Harry Potter books up till the fourth one, and then I didn't read any more after that, but I did watch the the rest of the movies. I I haven't seen a lot of them in years. Um, I do remember the two-part Deathly Hallows being disappointing, especially the finale, the final battle between Harry Potter and Voldemort that's been built up for a decade or more and it's the lamest most forgettable lame ass fucking battle you will ever see in your life harry potter isn't even the one that delivers the final blow it's neville you know some secondary character you know he's the one that you know cuts the head off the snake or whatever and, and the leads to voldemort being defeated and harry potter and that'd be funny that'd be funny if it was aaron neville <laughs> like the the old r&b yeah. singer i don't have much but I know I love you like a bird on a wire. <laughs> and that should be all I need to know. Uh, yeah, he's, he actually just come anyway. Um, oh, dude, there's a documentary that we should uh, consider talking about uh-huh. on here. Netflix when it's called uh, Don't Answer the Phone or something like that. It's on. Uh, oh, OK. Yeah. Netflix, like I just said. Um, dude, the premise is fucking nuts. It's this guy. It's this fucking guy. <laughs> and okay, uh, Joe, okay, Joe Pesci. <laughs> it's this fucking guy. Okay? And uh he he's like this prank caller and he's calling all these fast food restaurants and he tells the managers usually something like, "Oh, uh I'm Detective Scott and uh one of our customers has complained that one of your employees stole their purse or stole money okay. from their purse." And then he gives a description of a, a generic description of a female. She's she's about five foot tall with brunette hair. Mm-hmm. You know, chances are there's going to be someone working there that's five foot tall with brunette hair. So anyway, the store manager usually proceeds to be like, oh, I know who you're talking about. Let me go grab them and, you know, whatever. And then once they're in the office, the te- the quote unquote detective is like, Okay, um, so we can either take her down to the station and strip search her, or you can. She can choose to be strip searched by you in the office, what? and uh, they would always the the employee would always choose to just have it done in the office. How the and wh- and the detect the quote unquote detective would somehow be able to convince the manager. To have the girl undress, get completely naked, do jumping Jesus, jacks. What the fuck? Um, on one occasion, uh, the worst one that actually went to court and she got like a $6 million settlement from McDonald's. The girl got called into the McDonald's office. The manager was a lady and had her get totally naked and all that. And then... since it was a busy shift she had to go so she had her fiance sit in the office and be on the phone with the detective and watch her and this the prank caller had uh him like had the the girl like lay over his lap and he spanked her naked ass and then finally he somehow convinced (laughs) 
the uh, dude to have the girl give him a, a blowjob, like, basically. What and the she did. fuck? Yeah, he went to jail for like three years for that's, that's, statutory. That's not long enough. Rape or something like that. Because like the whole his the whole defense was, of course, like, well, I thought he was a cop. And the judge was like, just because somebody on a telephone tells you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. And you did it anyway, you know, and she was like 16 or something. Yeah, but like also that. at the same time, it's like, why the fuck would you think a cop would ever ask you to do something like that? Well, it was and they went into that whole thing like like and, and this happened over the span of 10 years. Like it was Jeez. going on in the 90s Fucking all the way up hell, until. Man. Yeah, like it 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 went on for a really long time and um it was that whole like Milgram's experiment where back in like the 60s or whatever they um but I mean cops are doing some freaky stuff nowadays so I don't know, you know that popular meme with that one girl if you've been seeing well, that. Well, basically the experiment the the sp- experiment basically that they did in the 60s where they basically had somebody shock another person. Yeah. And e- and the the person being shocked was an actor and they weren't actually getting shocked. And the instructor would tell the participant to shock the person the the other the actor uh, even though they were clearly in pain and um Instead of the participant just being like, no, I'm not going to shock them anymore. They're clearly in pain. They would do what they were told because they felt like this is an authority figure. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so they're kind of using that as a parallel. In this example, like the the man was very convincing. He stayed very calm on the phone the whole time. Um, you know, he said a lot of times they'd say stuff like, oh, we have a, you know, someone from corporate is on the phone with me and I'm Detective Scott and yada, yada, yada. Okay. So, and like I said, it happened at a lot of locations and, <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people fell for it and, and, but the, the girl actually performing oral mm-hmm. sex that was the most extreme one because like, most most of the time they just made him get naked like, and then they made him they they would make the manager describe like oh what does her her boobs look like what does her vagina look like and all that and sounds fucked up yeah. but um like i was saying do you do you remember you, you're probably familiar with this meme that's been going around with that one girl who was a cop who was like banging no. all these people or whatever no okay <laughs> It was a do tell. I'm I'm intrigued. It was like a popular meme with this one girl who was a cop, and she and these other cops got fired from their job because they were caught basically doing you know sex acts and stuff like that when they were you know on duty or whatever. So the cops were banging each other. Yeah, the one girl cop. Yeah, she was she was you know I guess the one that was you know doing most of it. I guess. Dude, I've seen some hot girl cops. The, the, the like, she she's fuck. been this one girl's been turned into a total meme. Um, I'm surprised you you haven't haven't seen it. Eh. Yes, yeah, the Megan, yeah, Me, Megan Hall. Okay, I gotta see what she looks like. <laughs> Megan Hall cop. 
Oh, I saw something about this. Yeah. Husband of Tennessee police officer who had sexual encounters with six colleagues is reportedly standing by her. Eh, she's she alright, I guess. She ain't that attractive. I know all the women listeners are rolling their eyes right now. They did all these, like, crazy memes with her. You know, and then when it first happened, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, what... Because I'm I'm like not in the loop most of the time, so it just randomly just starts appearing on my feeds, and I'm just like, what the hell is it? who is this? But yeah, they did all the, these. Uh... Yeah, I see. It's like one of those websites where it's like disable. It forces you to <laughs> disable your ad blocker. No, I don't have to. I didn't have to do that. Made me do it. <laughs> oh, hi, yeah, made me do it. Oh, hi, yeah, it feels good. It made me fucking do it. Yeah, big tats, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. My name's Kyle. <laughs> oh, horny, yeah. That's a character I created a long time ago. He's just a dumb, stupid, like, almost like a butthead type character. <laughs> he sounds like he's related to butthead. His name's Kyle and he likes tits. That's all he knows. His name's Kyle. Hell yeah. Tits. <laughs> Oh hell yeah. butthead's uh, a cousin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um so yeah, that's the end. My Panera is even sitting at my fucking front door oh. waiting for me. I I had it Another delivered. Turkey sandwich? Was... No, this is a steak something or other fucking thing with some cheddar broccoli cheddar soup. Okay. Alright. Switching it so up. So anyway. If you want to uh, join our Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And support this for... madness. <laughs> I know, right? This fucking... You would have had more content. I was even looking forward to releasing it early for the Patreons, but then my audio just didn't fucking record. And if my audio doesn't record this time around, I'm just going to kill myself. I don't I, Since it's not YouTube, I don't have to... Have you noticed on YouTube, they say, unalive myself or... Uh, I'm not. Uh, I, I talked about. All these... I talked about the movie Smile. I talked about Cocktail. You know that movie with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, and I mentioned Suicide, and I didn't because I'm such a small channel. They don't give a shit. I think that's yeah. What it that's is. what I was. That's what I'm thinking. I think the smaller channels, I don't really care. But man, some of the bigger ones that I watched, like they're like blipping out everything. Yeah. Like, like I I get that like child porn. Well, they just lose they, they their call- monetization. That's what happens. Yeah, and and they're so they're so desperate for that money that they're like they're blipping out. And it's really some channels are really bad to yeah. I can't even watch the video because it's like, dude, if you're not even going to say the word abuse, yeah. like I'm not going to watch your shit because there's nothing wrong with saying abuse in and of itself. I know, like or they were abused. I, like, I blame YouTube more because they changed their policies and now it's like super strict and ridiculous. The certain words but it's and causing whatever. everyone else to be like super like oh can't lose that money yeah which i mean i get i mean if you if that's your career and you're doing it full time you have to make money off your videos but it's still fucking annoying i think they're just being overly cautious anyway speaking of youtube me and mike are on youtube mike is a movie buff and um i don't even know if these little promos at the end ever get anybody to go over to our channels but whatever Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. That's OCP 
communications. Mike, what was the last video? The last you did? video I did is a review of a, of the Steven Seagal movie Fire Down Below. But I also reviewed a couple of Tom Cruise films. I did The Color of Money, as well as Cocktail. And Cocktail is that infamously, you know, bad Tom Cruise movie where Bermuda, yeah, Kokomo. Bahama, come on, pretty mama. That, do you remember anything about that movie other than Kokomo? Because that's a. Mo- I remember. I remember Tom Cruise being in a bar outside, like a tiki bar, and then like running towards the the ocean. At okay. Some point. All right. Yeah. See, a lot <laughs> of it's Tom it. Cruise making drinks. And Kokomo, um, but <laughs> this is also the so they, same they movie. That, they use that song pretty. Heavily. No, they don't actually, which is funny. It's like only in like a little transition shot in Jamaica, and then and you never hear it again. Um, what's funny about that film? Spoilers, folks. But it's Cocktail. It's from 1988. Like it's an old ass movie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it. The there's a moment near the end where Tom Cruise's best friend he finds him dead by suicide, which I just find the most like unbelievable tonal uh, shift out there. Like one of the most unbelievable tonal shifts when it comes to a movie. I'm, it's like I'm sorry, Mike. I I had to I had to go and run and grab my Panera from outside and put it inside. Uh, uh-huh. But in truth. I didn't want any spoilers to cocktail, so that's really why I put my headphones down. <laughs> well, I'm still gonna spoil, you know, for the for uh, uh, Josh here who missed what I was talking about because I'm pretty sure you're not gonna ever watch cocktail again. No, no. Um, it sounds it sounds just too good. The 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 movie has a lot of the stuff people think it it's gonna have, like Tom Cruise making drinks, flipping bottles. He goes to Jamaica, falls in love with Elizabeth Shue. He leaves Jamaica because he messes things up with her and then tries to make it with this rich girl and then winds up back in New York, breaks it off with the rich girl, then does whatever he can to get back with Elizabeth Shue. Typical sort of, you know, uh, romantic uh, uh, stuff. But in the midst of all of that is a fucking suicide. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Tom Cruise comes to uh, his friend's uh, like yacht or whatever, and he finds him dead. And you're just like, "What the hell is this tone? This is so random." Like, you hear the song Kokomo; it's like super upbeat, and like there's not there's no notion or even thought of anything uh, the level of suicide. It's just insane. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty weird. Uh, all right, well, that's Mike's channel, so go over there if you uh, if you want to if you want to check that out. Um, if you want to go to my channel, I talk about like I do commentary videos uh-huh. mainly about music. Uh, it's youtubecom slash ghosts, which is also the name of my band, and we're on Spotify and Apple and Google and everywhere you find music. Once again, youtubecom slash ghosts. The last video I did was a review of uh, Volume Two of Smashing Pumpkins' new album Autumn. Um, I basically talk about how the album is lackluster, just like Volume One. And there's like two good songs in the entire album, and I just lament the downfall of the Smashing Pumpkins from how great they fucking used to be in the 90s uh-huh. to 
just how the last like five albums have just sucked ass. No hooks, nothing of of me- you know nothing memorable, just garbage. So yeah, and then I do other videos like uh, Pink Floyd's changing their logo when it triggered the boomers because uh-huh. they thought Pink Floyd was pushing some LGBT yeah. agenda. I talk about stuff like that. I talk about all kinds of shit. So go over <laughs> there and watch that. Alrighty, until next time, let's hope this fucking podcast actually posts. Uh, have a good rest of your night and suck a dick. Uh, why? <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.